Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. <laughs> All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's. I'm here with my partner in crime, Dr. David Wardy. How are you? Great, man. It's snowing in Texas right now. I saw a photo and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was actually waiting to talk to you about that. And you got snow before we did here in Vancouver. I don't know about Toronto. Yeah, it's a rare occasion, man. But (laughs) yeah, we we got some flurries, man. It's exciting. It's a snow day here. So yeah, I mean, like just to give perspective, what is it like a couple centimeters or (laughs) like how, how much snow are we talking? Let's just say it, it hardly sticks, but we get excited when the mountains cover <laughs> in snow when we wake up. <laughs> yeah, so you're not you're not quite throwing snowballs or making snowmen. No, but it's enough that it uh, gives us that nice winter feel. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, not necessarily speaking of snowballs and snowmen, uh, we're going to be talking about some other stuff today. And uh, a lot around cell membrane health, and we've got one of our you know favorite experts who who has been a developer of one of our favorite products too, which we're going to get into in a moment. But uh, we've got uh, a fellow Canadian on the on the call today. He's a mm-hmm. medical doctor from Toronto. His name is Dr. Jeff Matheson. He obtained his uh, BSc from the University of Western Ontario, and then followed by his uh, Doctor of Medicine and Master of Surgery from McGill University back in 1991. So Dr. Jeff Matheson has been practicing medicine in emergency departments across Canada and internationally, including in Ontario, Newfoundland, and Abu Dhabi. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to go back there right now? Yeah. <laughs> and in 1998, he was appointed medical director of Med- MedEmerge Incorporated, a company dedicated to staffing underserved hospitals in Canada. It's amazing. And subsequently, in 2013, Dr. Matheson co-founded the HMC Center, which is Headache, Migraine, and Concussion Center with the goal of promoting a non-narcotic approach to pain and headache management. Uh, there's a whole lot more there, Dr. Jeff Matheson, but uh, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. No, thanks for having me. You know, when we met you, um, you know, first of all, we don't, I don't know too many medical doctors uh, in Canada, uh, but I loved how intelligently and how well-spoken you are about, um, about your story and sort of how you moved into... Um, you know, helping people in a different kind of way, not just relying on the status quo and conventional approach. Mm-hmm. You you really started to branch out because I think you realized there was more to the story than that. But if you could, if you wouldn't mind just sort of diving and letting people know who you are and how you kind of got to uh, this next phase in your adventure as a doctor. Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, originally I, I, I started doing emergency room work, and uh, which I really loved, but it's quite unsociable. And uh, uh, but I got to see the acute side of injury, pain, that sort of stuff. And um, in an emergency room, you, you know, you fix the patient, they go out the door, bang, everything's great. Uh, it's not all, but it's not the most socially, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, you don't see your kids very much, you know, when you're working all those evenings, nights, and weekends. So a friend of mine was working in a pain clinic, and uh, and I joined, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. It's procedural-based practice and stuff. Then I knew that in Ontario, it wasn't really standardized how pain management was practiced. So we developed a company called CPM, which became the largest pain management company in Canada. We kind of standardized the practice of management, a practice of pain management, but over about a, a 10-year period, 
it was getting very frustrating because, you know, I was maxing out, you know, on all these high dose, uh, uh, pharma products and you know people don't didn't go back to work they didn't get any better and it was you know and it doesn't matter how much money you make if you can't make your patient better you it's 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 a very hollow existence so um at the assistance uh, uh insistence of a, a co-worker of mine uh, i underwent a sort of a nutritional change in my own life you know lost 20 pounds six inches in my waist you know much more energy that that sort of stuff where he said oh you look younger and everything's great so i said well i wonder if this works with patients and uh so i got a few patients uh on a program they got better at four patients lose 100 pounds within you know eight months come off 80 percent of their medications and i said well did, this wasn't taught in medical school so um I said I, I needed to make a change. So in 2013, I had the opportunity to work with some other people that worked, had similar views to mine and opened up an all-natural pain center. Um, and although it was quite expensive, personally, uh, I, but much more emotionally satisfying, uh, I realized that, you know, when I, when I went down this road, that um, it would take a while, but now I have a, one of the best pain practices, I think, in Canada where people generally like coming to the practice every day. And during my journey of re sort of re-exploring what I sort of unlearned during medical school, I sort of relearned a lot of what I learned in my undergraduate work in biochemistry. And I did a lot of work in lipid biochemistry, which was considered kind of a dead area of, of, of biochemical research. And we thought we knew everything about fats. And then, uh, we, and then I realized that you know, everybody's promoting fish oil and, and you know, long chain fatty acids and highly unsaturated. And I said, well, that's not what we're made of. We're made of, of, of the plant-based 18 carbon fats. And so that sort of led me into pure form, uh, the product that you know me through. And uh, we haven't looked back since, uh, really just trying to uh, address a, a major health deficit by making people cell membranes healthier. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, there was a recent article that came out uh, showing the the eight billion dollar lawsuit against uh, the makers of OxyContin. Yeah. Being a being a pain doc and coming to where you are in your practice, like what kind of like maybe emotional or or what kind of response did you have when you saw that? Uh, it's it's I I wish it came came sooner. Mm -hmm. um, what what's really frustrating is is Purdue Pharma may be sort of dead in the water here in North America. But what's really concerning, and if you look at the WHO website, they're repeating the same model through the third world, through Africa uh, and and India, and and, and it's and it's like holy, mackerel, they're gonna they're just gonna do it all over again. They don't learn their lesson. They, they don't have. They obviously don't have the patient's best interests at heart. I mean, they've literally killed hundreds of thousands of people, um, and oh yeah, okay, fine, but the. the the you know the creators of this model they're going to do it all over again in the third world i mean it's just astounding that they're going to be able to get away with that mm -hmm. and and no one and it's very it's a little disheartening to to you know that okay we've shut the well we haven't shut down the problem here now in north america because once you let the genie out of the bottle right you know, they're not going to be able to arrest their way back into back into it i mean now we have a major public health issue that's being not being addressed but they're mm -hmm. going to reintroduce introduce that same you know, model of hooking patients on opioids uh, through the rest of the third world. And it's, it's, uh, it's devastation to come. Yeah. Unfortunately. Absolutely. 
Well, let's well let's let's talk about that transition. I want to bring that up just because of obviously your expertise and and having come to where you have in your career. And I imagine there's still, you know, it's going to be a slow moving process for for some of these doctors that maybe used to work with or in these sort of pain clinics to to learn yeah. a new system. So let's let's talk a little bit about cell membrane health and you know, why this became an area of focus for you, you know, going back into some of your early training in biochem and whatnot, like, what? Well, yeah, so, why did you look so, there? Well, so, um, a lot of stuff that you sort of learn, uh, and you know, this is a naturopath, you, you address a lot of pathways in, in, in the cell and, and how to, how to make things better, more, more efficient, stuff like that. But one of the things that never seems to be addressed is the cell membrane health itself. Now, one of the things that I find infinitely frustrating is this, 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 this assistance that we're short on omega-3s, right? And I knew from my biochemical uh, undergraduate work and your cell biology work is that the membrane of the cell is made of mostly omega-6. You know, 25 to 33% of your cell membrane is made of omega-6. 40% of your mitochondrial membrane is made of omega-6. And the part of the mitochondria that produces energy is called cardiolipin. It's 100% omega-6. Mm. So the reason that we're so omega-6 dominant is dominant nature is because that's what's important. And what was really interesting, and, and I'm sure that another guest has covered this, but there's only one article that's ever looked at this from 1976 and it was done in CF patients. They actually determined the oxygen dissociation curve or this oxygen carrying capacity of omega-6 or linoleic acid, which is the... 18 carbon uh, uh, fatty acid, and they found it was exactly the same. And that was really a sort of that aha moment. You realized, so traditionally, and you guys would have taught, got taught this as well, is that we were told that oxygen passively diffuses mm -hmm. through the membrane where it somehow magically gets to the mitochondria where it is used to produce energy. Well, you know, oxygen, as you know, is way too unstable to have floating around a cell. It makes way more sense that the membrane, which is highly dynamic, lots of fluidity, lots of things moving around. If you saw a videotape of it, you'd, you'd go, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff going on in there. It actually attaches the oxygen to the membrane, and the membrane itself carries it to the mitochondria. Where, and if you look at the picture of a mitochondria, you see it's predominantly made of membrane. And so it's sort of like that, aha, oh my God, oxygen is carried by the membrane to the mitochondria. All the mitochondrial reactions that are used to produce energy take place on that membrane. If you improve the health of that membrane through proper omega-6, you're going to make a much more efficient cell overall. And it's the main, it sort of explains everything that sort of I've learned over the years. It's one of those things where everything sort of just came together at once. Um, there's a lot of work by uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, cell biologists and, and, and biochemists ever, uh, Dr. Otto Warburg. Now you've probably heard of him obviously, War, Otto Warburg worked in Germany from the 30s to the 50s, and he uh, got into a lot of fatty acid work, and he was able to show that if you decrease uh, the amount of oxygen, if you, take a, if you take a culture of human cells, and you decrease the amount of oxygen by 30 to 35%, even intermittently, those cells will turn cancerous. Mm. And I you start thinking about it, oh my goodness, if you damage cell membranes and decrease the amount of oxygen they carry to the to the mitochondria produce energy, those cells are much likely to become cancerous. 
And it was like, it's like, so everything sort of matched up in sort of that one moment. They said, oh my God, cancer rates have gone from 3% in 1900 to 60% now. We've introduced uh, uh, um, uh, adulterated fats in our diet in about 1912 with, with, with Crisco, which being the first sort of adulterated fat put on the market. And, and then that's when cancer rates started to expand. And it's like, oh my God, it all came together. Of course, fats are extremely important. And then, of course, we compounded things in the 70s when we all went to the low-fat diet. And yeah. We started throwing out all those great, you know, uh, fats that we all need. I mean, our brain is 7% fat. I mean, why are we attacking? <laughs> We're attacking our own brain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just one of those sort of things that all came together. And it's a, in, in my mind, anyways, that sort of light bulb went off. And I said, oh, my God, this is the, this is the key to everything. And everything I've experienced yeah. since that time has, has reinforced it. I love that you can bring it down to really basic, simple understanding for people. And I think that's so important. If, if we just look at that fat as this carrying molecule for oxygen. So can you kind of walk us through, we just, we take a deep inhale, what's happening to that oxygen in the lungs. And, and then yeah. if you can talk a little bit about that transport down to the mitochondria. Sure. So um, if you look at it, the oxygen molecule has to cross seven cell membranes to get from where you breathe it in to where it's used in the mitochondria. So any barrier to any of, the, of those seven cell membrane steps is going to impede oxygenation, which is going to impede your, your ability to make energy efficiently. We're much more efficient using aerobic metabolism or metabolism that requires oxygen than anaerobic metabolism, which is the sort of uh, what, what yeast do basically. So, and as, as anyone knows who works out, if you're using anaerobic metabolism, you're going to build up lactic acid, which is acidic and causes pain. And this is that muscle ache that you guys get the next day. What was really great is when you start increasing those good fats that carry the oxygen more efficiently through that, that system, you're gonna have better aerobic metabolism, better cardiovascular performance, better, better uh, longevity and a much better recovery. And, and one of the things that really struck me early on as we went down this pathway is almost all the people I introduced it to, the first thing they would say is like, oh my God, I work out and I don't, I'm not sore the next day. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, I'll give you an example of how powerful it is. Um, a friend of mine who's an ultra marathoner, um, you know, he was a similar age to I was. He's in his sort of, he was in his early, early 50s at the time. Um, he, uh, his knees had been scoped twice. And so he said, what can I do about this? My knees are killing me. I said, well, just take this product and see what you think. He ran four 100-kilometer marathons in one summer plus the Calgary Death Race, which is wow. 125 kilometers up and down mountains, and he had no issues and no injury for the first time in his career. Wow. That's incredible. And, it, and that's, you know, that's, I don't know how much more sort of testament you need than a powerful story like that. I mean, that's, you know, guys that has knee scope twice can run – I mean, I can't, I would, I wouldn't do a 10 kilometer. <laughs> but, but I mean, my goodness, hundred kilometer. I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine running a kilometer marathon or, or the death race. I mean, I've heard of it, but yeah. you know, you literally have to take a GPS with you because you can get lost in the mountain and die in this race. Wow. Go ahead, David. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, we talk about these deficiencies that people are just massively have from, you know, the, the proper improper fatty acid ratios in the system. So like we talked about aminos a couple of weeks back and a lot of people are just walking around blind, right? Like not understanding why they're maybe having these issues. 
either with energy or like tissue and, and stuff like this. And I mean, what you're speaking to it, just see, I mean, I love the way you simplify it, but I know our listeners are just like, could it really be that easy? easy? And you know, it really is. I think sometimes when it, when it's just, you're not getting some of these things that we honestly need in our daily. Yeah. And, and like we spoke to last time, most people, a lot of people like to eat out and cool. they're not getting the right types of fats. And then they're wondering why they have all these issues. And it's like, well, you're missing all these massive building blocks that you need to be getting all the time. That's right. Well, it's very uh, interesting that um, um, there was a study came out uh, two years ago. It was looking at an Alzheimer's model in mice, right? And they were comparing olive oil to canola oil. And, and no one's ever done, sort of done that. And they thought, of course, canola oil is considered healthy, quote unquote. So they thought the rat should do better with the canola oil. And of course, it turns out they were wrong. <laughs> and he's like, if you actually look at the biochemistry, in the way canola oil is made, you could predict they would be wrong. Canola, canola oil is a terrible oil. If you actually Google a video of how it's made, it would make you want to throw up. They take all these processed oils, like canola oil, corn oil, soil, um, you know, cottonseed oil, all this stuff. If you look at the way they're made, what they do is they, 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 they heat press them. They don't cold press them. They press them in a warm environment. But th what it does is they, they, they cook it multiple times to extract as much oil as they can. It breaks down the, the uh, double bonds uh, in, the, in, the, in the fat. So it basically oxidizes it or turns it rancid. It smells like rotten fish. They have to deodorize it, decolorize it, take all the solids out of it, and then they put it on a shelf as a good oil. So Jeez. people don't know how dangerous that is because those damaged omega-6s, your body can't tell they're there because they don't exist in nature. And so you consume them. If you're consuming 35% bad fats, your cell membranes will get 35% bad fats in them. Well, what does that mean? Suddenly your oxygenation of that cell goes down by 30, 35%. And then what happens? The Warburg effect comes in. And what's really interesting, here's a stat that uh, you may have heard, but smokers have a tendency towards cancer, right? We all know that. Uh, a two-pack-a-day smoker for 25 years, they get cancer at about a 16% clip. But if you consume adulterated fats like a canola oil, soil, corn oil, you consume that over that same 25-year period, your actual rate of cancer is about 83%. Wow. It's five times mm -hmm. more dangerous than smoking. And yet, try and find studies about the dangers of those oils. They almost don't exist. And I think that the result that I saw from that one study was almost by accident because they, they thought, well, this would be a fun thing to try. It's probably a grad student even. And then they got this result they didn't expect, right? Because no one has ever looked at it. You know, by, as I said, everybody's so interested in genetics and, and DNA stuff, and they're all doing this stuff. They're, on, they're not looking. They're, like they're looking for that magic bullet that, oh, my God, every cancer's got this DNA cause. We'll just target that DNA, and we'll be fine. Well, we sequenced the whole genome. And I haven't seen this flood of medications based on our DNA coming onto market. But, boy, I do see a lot of improvements when all we do is prove our fat intake. <laughs> wow. I mean, just to just to David's point, what you're saying there is that, you know, the amount of people who a eat out use really horrible fats, even if they think oh. they're you know doing something right because they're bringing in some olive oil for their cooking. But um, even that is questionable depending on the quality of it. Oh. I mean, there's so much reason for why there's chronic illness, and, oh, and sure. you know, not that we need to spend any time on the coronavirus, but uh, the reality is that there's a whole lot of people suffering because they just have really shitty makeup in their oh. 
and their actual fatty acid, you know, intake. And it's oh, making sure. them more oxidizable. It's making them more oxygen depleted. I mean, which is going to affect their immune function and so many other things. So oh. what, what do we like? I'm curious because back when you went in and did your training, there's no way that they were talking about fish oil as a tool for you back then. But at some point along the scope of practice in, in conventional medicine and um, uh, optometry and other fields of medicine, all of a sudden fish oils became a huge deal. Uh, can you kind of walk us into that sort of journey? Because they weren't even on the map before. Now they're, they're apparently everyone's recommending them. Yeah, so um, uh, fish oil, uh, well, the, the whole beginning of the fish oil started, started actually in 1976 with a really bad study out of Greenland uh, done with Inuit. And, and these uh, Dan Danish researchers thought that, oh, well, the Inuit don't seem to die of heart disease. It must be their high fish intake. And, of course, of course, they didn't realize that Inuit don't eat actually that much fish. They actually eat mostly seal and animal blubber and stuff. Um, and, 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 you know, the cause of death in the Inuit, I mean, in 1976, who, who really knew? So that study was actually totally destroyed. But it started a, a, a thing that the fish industry, when I, so I was born on the East Coast. So in the fish industry, used to used to clean the fish, take the livers and all that sort of stuff and just toss them overboard. Right, so it was a dead loss for the fish industry. Well, now they said, "Oh, wait a minute. Well, if 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 we can get the oil out of it, and that's what's really due to it, we got we can now use this stuff, so we don't have to toss it, and it becomes a it becomes a revenue generating product." Well, uh, fish oil sort of you know, sort of hints of starting up because everybody used cod liver oil back in the old days, right? And that was mostly because of the vitamin D content. Probably not much to do with the oil content, but um, but fish oil started sort of creeping in, in in sort of the mid 90s and stuff and then uh, uh then the, uh, the last few years it's really become heavy duty because uh it's been it, they've come up with a pharmaceutical product that's a fish oil uh derivative it's an artificial it's a it's a fish oil that's been hooked to a to an ester so it's considered artificial so they got a patent on it then they did a really terrible study <laughs> really did that in fact the head investigator resigned after the study Wow. But they, they compared this fish oil product to mineral oil. They got volunteers to take both products for five years. Well, mineral is is not, it's a poison, right? So you're giving them a poison and maybe a slightly lesser poison and say, look, we got a good result. And then Jeez. they got an FDA approval for that. And now because of that, there's a big fish oil push. Cause now you can get it on prescription. It gets covered by insurance. And, oh, just a total, total mess. Um, and so, you know, uh, that big train has now been started. And here I am saying, wait a minute, you got to get the plant-based stuff. The 18-carbon stuff really works. And you just get it. It's like trying to, you know, trying to turn the, turn the, turn the ship around. It's almost like, uh, um, I always think of the, the uh, Poseidon Adventure. You remember the movie, The Poseidon Adventure? Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, yeah. the little kid is leading the, the small group to the back of the ship saying, oh, the captain told us that that would still be above water. And it's the thinnest part of the hull. I remember that. And then during halfway during the journey, the priest is leading the 200 other survivors the wrong way. <laughs> and he's a little kid saying, no, no, we have to go this way. And no one listens to him. Right. It's like, it's like, I'm just a little kid trying to say, no, no, the captain said, go this way. Right. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways, it's, it is, it is a, it is a big thing. And, and talking about restaurants and stuff, even in the best restaurants, mm -hmm. ask your waiter, what kind of oil are they cooking with? And it's almost universally canola oil. I can mm -hmm. guarantee you it's the cheapest oil out there. It, you know, for some reason, we've uh, North American palates have adapted to to liking 
liking the flavor of it. Although, you know, that's why there's so few Michelin star restaurants probably in, in North America while Europe's full of them. That would make <laughs> they, sense. They know good oils. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, dude. It's just like there's blinders on here, right? I mean, people are hearing this information and we've spoken to it a little bit, but I mean, this is a massive problem. And, oh. you know, as doctors and physicians, it's almost like we're, like you're saying, we're swimming uphill, swimming upstream, I'm sorry, trying to deal with this. It's almost like a pandemic of this poison in our food supply. Yeah. And like Nick's speaking to, it's just creating chronic disease across the spectrum and presenting it. It's presenting it in so many different ways. And this education just needs to get out there. Yeah. You know, and it's disheartening to hear about like FDA approving crap studies like that. And then people think, oh, just because things are FDA approved, like, oh, I'm good to go. And the reality, <laughs> we all know that's not true. That's so, not true at all. Yeah. yeah so, one, of the th one, of the, one of the things people have to realize about the FDA and Health Canada is that they do not do independent testing of these things. They rely on what the company tells them. Mm. So, so if the company manipulates the data or does some shady stuff with it or whatever it is, and the FDA doesn't pick up on that, they get approval. And if they got a few billion dollars behind them, you know, they, they, they're more likely to get that approval than not. And just because it's FDA approved doesn't mean it's FDA tested. And that's a very big, differential and people got to get away but we have this innate sort of trust of government organizations and they're always looking out on our behalf but unfortunately that's not true today and anyone just look at i mean anyone can just google the the the, the head of the safety division or whatever of the fda and you'll see that there's this very intimate relationship between pharma mm -hmm. the food industry and the fda that is a little too close for comfort for 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 me and so now I have to question everything. Like, mm -hmm. and and I read and I read scientific studies from when I was undergraduate, and I read scientific studies now, and the quality of them is just terrible. In fact, the the uh, the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, when she resigned a few years ago, she said that ninety three percent of everything that was printed in the New England Journal, which was one of the most preeminent journals in the world, was absolute garbage. Wow. And so what do doctors do? They, and they're locked into the whole pharma model and the CME model, you know, the continuing medical medic education, all tied in to pharma-funded stuff. I mean, if you don't carry the, the, the pharma big food uh, message, you, you don't get listened to. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, it's, a, it's crazy, right? I mean, and, and they feel threatened by, by, by people like us. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, listening to a lecture by... Um, can't remember her name, but, you know, she thought she was just an Australian girl making a, you know, giving a lecture about good food and friggin' the head of Coca-Cola was in there. <laughs> She's going, what's the head of Coca-Cola doing here? Coca-Cola felt threatened by her. They wanted to find a weakness in her and shut her up. Holy cow. <laughs> These Spies are everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere. I mean, it's terrible. Uh, Jeff, I want to dive back into the cell membrane for a moment and... So you brought up the 25 to 33% of the cell membrane and then 40 so 40% of the mitochondrial membrane was were these really important omega-6 fatty acids. Can you can you just walk us through what what makes up the rest of that uh, that cell membrane and and then and then I'd like to talk about the the specific fats that you chose for pure form as well. Sure. Sure. So the the fats vary in concentration based on what the cell does. Uh, which makes sense, right? So the more saturated fat you put in there, the stiffer the membrane will get. So um, 
you know, in the skin, you're going to have a lot of saturated fats in there in, in, you know, red blood cells and stuff. You have very little saturated fats in there because obviously they have to contort and get through, um, um, you know, uh, areas, uh, small capillaries and stuff. So, uh, so, the other, so the other component of saturated fats, you're going to have a little bit of omega-3. Omega-3 is a little bit more, which is the linolenic acid, alpha-linolenic acid, or ALA. It's got three double bonds. It's the same 18-carbon strike, but you have a little bit more of that in, in, in much more fluid membranes, right? Um, you're also going to have cholesterol in there. Cholesterol is an extremely important component of membranes. And then you're going to have proteins. And these proteins... They can be uh, receptor proteins that transduce things across. They can be, you know, gate, you know, the sodium potassium channels. Uh, you've got uh, some proteins are only one half of the membrane. If you look at the electrotransport chain, you'll see some proteins. So, so mostly that's what membranes are made of. They're made of the uh, unsaturated fats, which would be in the omega-6 and the omega-3, saturated fats, which don't have any double bonds or desaturation in them, and you're going to have cholesterol and proteins, and that's sort, of, that's sort of what a cell membrane is. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking 25 to 33% uh, and, and we assume that most or many of the cells in our body are 50% fat and 50% protein, we're yeah. talking about a, an overwhelming number of those fatty acids in that form of omega-6. And so yeah. let's talk about, um, the, again, the fats in the pure form, why you chose those particular ones. And then let's talk a little bit about that ratio uh, in, okay. in how you chose those fats. All right. So, so classically, we get taught that the ratio in our body is about four to one, right? But that's actually not true. That's on a that's on in your blood actually. That's because that's what we measure mostly. But if you look at the skin, the skin's a thousand to one omega six to omega three. The brain's a hundred to one. You know, muscle tissue is about six and a half to one. So, as I said, it varies based on what that cell is supposed to do, which makes a lot of sense. Um, What's really cool about uh, the fats and the fatty acid transport through our bodies is it involves ADL and HDL, or sorry, uh, LDL and HDL and stuff like that. Within 20 minutes of ingestion of these fats, they're transported every cell in your body. It's extremely wow. efficient, right? And so uh, the, we basically chose a ratio of two and a half to one. So, so it's two and a half omega-6 to every one of omega-3. Now, what's interesting is about 40% of the omega-3 undergoes beta oxidation, so it gets, gets, gets used by the body to produce energy. So what the body actually sees is a 4 to 1 ratio, which is what is in our bloodstream. So it's optimized to be match our bloodstream, so it gets in really, really efficiently. Uh, so the fats we chose were um, uh, flaxseed oil, which is the source of the omega-3. Pumpkin seed oil has the proper omega-6 in it. Um, um, coconut oil has the saturated fat in it. Uh, Highland like sunflower oil, of course, linoleic acid is the omega-6, but it also has evening primrose oil in it. Now, evening primrose oil is quite unique. Um, it's, it was called the king's cure in the old days because it was used for everything. Evening primrose oil is dominant omega-6, but it, it actually has a high proportion of GLA or gamma-linolenic acid. Now, I don't want to get too crazy on the biochemistry unless someone really geeks out on this stuff. <laughs> but um, gamma-linolenic acid... Uh, if you look at the fatty acid cascade, it helps promote the formation of PGE1 or prostaglandin mm-hmm. E1, which is the most powerful anti-inflammatory the body makes. So what you're doing is you're actually tilting the body into making a really highly anti-inflammatory molecule. Well, holy mackerel, that makes people feel good pretty fast. And so 
you'll see, and, and as, if anyone who's used the product will know that in about two weeks, sore joints start getting better, you know, uh, as, you know, skin conditions start settling in, all this great stuff starts happening, and that's because of the evening primrose oil. Now, what's interesting about evening primrose oil, and again, I don't want to get too complicated, it's the proper chemistry or stereochemistry, so it's the proper looking uh, Again, these fatty acids are not just floating around in free space. They're actually on a triglyceride chain. Mm -hmm. And so evening permose oil has the fatty acid in the proper positions on that so your body absorbs it quite quickly. Some people might find um, products that contain a high amount of borage oil. And there was a big mm -hmm. borage push back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Borage oil, stereochemistry is actually wrong. We don't absorb it very well. Hence, you will not get the hit you'll get with with Pureform because of the evening primrose oil in it. Um, so that's sort of why we chose the, the, the combination we did. We wanted the body to see the optimized ratio. We also wanted that extra GLA in the proper uh, absorbable form to make people feel better, faster. And, and that's why when people use it, they, 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 they can feel it. They literally feel it within, some people feel it within minutes. I'll give you a good example. One of the last uh, uh, conferences we were at, we had a, I had a seven-year-old woman who still ran 10K a day, very active woman, right? And she said, I take fish oil. I know my body. And I said, okay, all right, you take fish oil. Here, try some of this. So she, she gulped a, a big swig of Pureform in the, in the raw oil down. And she, and she waited for about 20, 30 seconds. She says, I'll take two bottles. <laughs> <laughs> she felt it, right? If you know your body, you'll feel it. And yeah. it's very quick. We're very efficient at getting, this, getting things into us. Our body's made of it. Of course we're efficient. Yeah, especially when there's a deficiency there. And, and oh, yeah. yeah. Can, you, can you talk a little bit more about the PGE-1 cascade? Because I think that's fascinating. When we were taught in school, it was fish oil was all the rage because it's, you're, you're pushing the PGE-3 and you're avoiding the arachidonic acid. And yeah. PGE-1 just didn't really get a whole lot of attention. Yeah, I don't know why it doesn't get more play, but it's actually extremely important. I wonder, if I, I wonder if I can bring up a, uh, a picture of it. If I can pick up a picture of the fat ass cascade, it might be easy to point out. I don't know if that is that possible. Um, find it. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I, I've got one on my computer because I look at oh, it often. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. If you can uh, bring it up, maybe Let's if you see. got one there, you can go ahead and I'll I'll keep looking for oh, it. Oh, okay. I'll look I'll look for it. So so the the, the fatty acid cascade. Um, uh, um, it. Uh, it, it, it goes, um, let me just find it here. I'm sure it's here, right? It's here somewhere. Uh, oh, here, here it is right here. It might be in this one right here. Let me just look. Ah, here we go. All right, so let's uh, start here. And uh, how do I share screen? Oh, let me get out of this. Let's share screen first. Uh, I'm going to make you host. Screen. Here we go. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, um, all right. So, if you can see that this is the fatty acid cascade, the omega-6 sides on the right, the omega-3 mm -hmm. sides on the left. Well, uh, we commonly get told that there's a delta 60 saturized um, uh, deficiency in a, in a lot of human beings. I just ignore mm -hmm. that. This is a this is a, actually a steady state reaction. Whether it's slower speed, fast doesn't really matter. But look at the second one down here called gamma lilinic acid GLA. 
it look goes down into dihomo gamma linoleic acid don't, don't have to remember all these names but look this this is the pge one right here and so by putting a, an extra little boost of gl in here you're you're blasting more into the formation of the formation of this pge1 which is highly anti-inflammatory most people and most naturopaths do this as well they focus on the arachidonic acid which which goes into the more pro-inflammatory things but and then we start simplifying things and saying omega-6 is all pro-inflammatory and omega-3 is all anti-inflammatory nothing can be further from the truth it's actually balanced which is like things of most nature. We need some in, uh, inflammation in our, our bodies because if you nick your finger and you don't cause an uh, inflammatory reaction to help, help seal that off, you'll bleed to death from a small cut. So you need both sides of this. And, and, but because we have so much adulterated fats, our inflammation levels off the charts and we need that PGE1 to calm us down quickly, helps open up, uh, it's actually a very good vasodilator, helps open up blood uh, pathways, gets blood, like for diabetics, diabetic wounds, um, it helps restore uh, circulation, diabetic wounds, so it really accelerates healing. Um, I mean, we have, a, we have an unpublished study where we have uh, 17 uh, very bad wound patients referred to a, uh, uh, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber for treatment. We healed 90, 86% of them within four months with no recurrence in six months in this very, very damaged population. I mean, no one's ever shown that before from all the wound data I've shown, I've seen. Uh, we now have a published uh, poster in, in these kids who have very fragile skin called um, epidermal lysis bullosa, which they're also known as the butterfly children because they have such delicate skin. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the results are, are astounding with this population. No one's been able to do anything like this. Again, it's about settling inflammation down, increasing blood flow, and making cell membranes healthier so that your cells are more efficient. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally as simple as getting, getting oxygen to where it's needed, better mitochondrial performance, everything else goes great. Mm -hmm. have, there, have there been any studies on the PG-1 in relation to cancer or anything that you've seen on, on that I'm, I'm not seen. So prostaglandins are a very difficult study because they don't exist for very long. So it's mm. not like you can just inject a whole bunch of prostaglandin in someone and say, ta-da, look, you're, you know, we can do this, this better. They actually only exist for, for, for seconds or microseconds at a time. So they come in, they're constantly circulating over. This is a very dynamic process. So, um, so by concentrating on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the sort of building blocks to feed into the pathway, uh, you do much, much greater than if you just, because uh, if you injected a bunch of prostaglandin in someone, they most likely would die because you'd overdose them pretty easily. These stuff don't exist very long in our, in our system. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty interesting, and pretty interesting research. I did some um, research when I was uh, in undergraduate in platelet activating factor, which is another one of these um, uh, pro-inflammatory uh, uh, fatty acid uh, um, uh, derivatives and when you inject those into rabbits they they, they don't last very long <laughs> wow I'm kidding david go ahead buddy no i'm just I'm looking at the complexity of this but it's crazy how much like he's saying like you certain building blocks and these things to allow our body to do it that innate intelligence right that it was built to yeah. do mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah when we don't have, when we don't have it we don't have it right that's right and what's fascinating about about the pathways is is that less than one percent of the fats we ingest actually go into the pathways mm. almost all of it's used for structure and that doesn't seem to be talked about at all we're concentrating on these pathways but 
you know, by far the fatty acids that we ingest are used for the structure of the cell membrane, which makes sense. It's a macronutrient. Very little of it actually feeds into the pathways here. In fact, there's a study at NIH, which they looked at the brain requirements for DHA and EPA, right? So we're always taught that brain needs lots of DHA and EPA, so we've got to take lots and lots of fish oil. Those are the, those are the longer, for anyone who doesn't know, those are the longer chain fatty acids that are found in fish oil. Well, it turns out that the brain needs about 7.3 milligrams per day. So if you combine the whole body, it's probably, you're probably looking at about 15 milligrams per day for the whole body. Not four grams, milligrams. So anyone who's taking four grams of fish oil, which is not an uncommon dosage, as you guys know, um, that's a, a 70 times overdose, even more than that. I mean, it's a, it's ama I'm always amazed at how much punishment we can put the body through and still live okay well yeah it's funny you say that because i mean most people that we see and and to be fair i used to put people on a huge doses of fish oils because i was i thought that was the right thing to do and yet yeah. I, I can't say that i had any miraculous healings in people it was just it was just following protocol and and how yeah. how sad is that you know you think you're you're taking care of people and, and yet you could actually be hurting them so oh. I get on, all on this medicine, by the way. <laughs> it's very common. <laughs> so, like, you you talked about this cardiolipin molecule, which is which is so important and so needed for energy production, which is which is coming through this omega six pathway. So, when we start to supersaturate our body with uh, these, it's funny. It's funny how we call fish oil essential fatty acids, but let's call them the derivative fats. Derivative of fats. Yeah. yeah. What happens to that cardiolipin and 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 well, it's, it, they, they have looked at this, and there was a, it's actually a study that came out, I believe it was 2018 it came out. They looked at the mitochondria from uh, cardiocytes, or the, 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 muscle, the muscle tissue of the, of the heart. And they found if you overloaded that um, mitochondria with uh, uh, DHA, which is the longer chain fatty acid, the, the enzymatic content of the, uh, my, uh, the mitochondria went down by half, by 50%. So it actually depressed the amount of, of the proteins that were participating in producing energy by about half. So that, made, that meant that's a sick uh, mitochondria. And what they found is when you added um, uh, uh, linoleic acid back into that system, it corrected itself. Hmm. It's a really elegant, well-done study. And, wow. and I don't know if there's any, if, if you want to look at things in a basic cell uh, uh, level, I mean, the, how can you, you know, if you damage the mitochondria by putting too much fish oil in it, and you fix the mitochondria when you, when you so allow the, the mitochondria to get it what it, need, what it needs. So um, it's a pretty well done, elegant study. And there's been lots of uh, population studies done now that show that people with high consumptions of fish oil have higher rates of skin cancer and stuff like that. And speaking of the skin, that's really interesting. If, if anyone's out there taking high dose fish oil, look at your skin. Mm -hmm. If you have dots on them and age spots, that's actually oxidized fish oil. Omega three is not supposed to be in your skin, but if you keep overdosing on it, you will force it there. It's exposed to heat and sunlight and it will turn brown and oxidize your skin. And you have, and, and it's, there's a great Norwegian study showing that your rate of skin cancer is way higher if you're consuming a high dose fish oil. Well, which is funny because that's where a lot of the fish oil comes from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the irony there is just, <laughs> I mean, so the, I mean, this is, this is so fascinating. And, and I think that, you know, hopefully people get this information really, you know, sink in, sink their teeth in a little bit more. 
uh, literally into the oils, but also just into this basic understanding of cell physiology. It's it's so darn important. Um, I'm wondering if you can, you know, talk a little bit about, okay, you, let's talk about your product. Pure Form has, has these fats. They're in a 41 ratio. They get metabolized down. Some of it's going to be used for energy. And then the rest is going to go into structure and all these building blocks. How long does it take to get rid of these toxic fats in our body so that we can start to notice change? I mean, some people notice much faster than others. I mean, we're all unique in how we express health. But um, how long do these damaged fats linger? And then how long does it take to turn that, that mechanism around? Um, so these, uh, the, the turnaround starts quite rapidly. So people feel better very quickly. And, 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 and you, when you start to feel better and have more energy and stuff like that, that's your fats um, uh, uh, getting better. Uh, so most people will notice a, a big change in about two weeks time, but it takes about four months for someone who's been taking fish oil for all that fish oil to sort of be tossed out of their system. And if it takes about 18 months of, of, uh, supplementation before your, your entire body sort of turned over mm. and, uh, and now you're made of all the good stuff, right? So that's about the timelines. So people, mostly people feel better after about two weeks. If you're going to use the product, the minimum you should probably use is about four months to get rid of all the bad stuff. Uh, but uh, if, you're, if you're really going to become a super performer, it's going to take about 18 months to, 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 to turn over the whole body cell membrane. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful for people. Um, now, another unique part of the, the pure form that we really like is that nitrogen bubble that's, that's in there. Right. Can, you, can you talk a little bit about that and its role yeah. in preserving and everything? Yeah, so that's an, a part of the extraction process. So, so uh, as we said, that uh, oxidized fats are rancid fats. And when you walk into a fish market and you smell that fishy smell, those are oxidized fats, okay? So it's important when you're, uh, when you're um, uh, extracting these fats from the seeds that you do it at a lower temperature, but it's also important they don't get exposed to oxygen. So the way we extract is under a blanket of nitrogen. So, the, so the, the extraction process takes place in a room that has no oxygen in it. Wow. And then what happens is when it gets encapsulated, there's a bubble of nitrogen you'll see in each capsule. That's called a nitrogen flush. So what that does is it keeps oxygen from getting into the, into the capsule and ruining the fat. So it makes it very shelf stable for a long period of time. So you, basically you have a very stable uh, um, uh, environment for that fat for up to 18 months to two years, probably. Um, and so you can be sure that, that you're getting, when you're taking the, the capsules, you're getting fats that are as fresh as what you picked them from the ground. So it's, it's, it's about as fresh as you could probably guarantee to get. So that's the sort of the secret. And then, and I don't have, unfortunately, I don't have a capsule here to hold up, but if anyone does, you'll see that they're, they're really glassy capsules. So they're yeah. very impervious to oxygen and there's got, each one's got a bubble in it of nitrogen. Mm -hmm. uh, so cool that's uh, there's been I've, I've, ne I've only seen one other product that's ever done that yeah I, 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 that's the funny thing is that you, you would think with that technology you'd think that more products would be you know have that incorporated in it but it, you don't you just don't see it no you don't see it no you guys recently because I mean I just actually was on your website today we, we order a ton of pure form and our, our patients if you're listening you know that you love it um, but I didn't realize you guys had a liquid product as well so the liquid's available in the States in the oh, United okay. States right now. So the uh, United States and the rest of the world are, can get the liquid. Um, every time you change the format of what you bring in, you have to go through an NPN process. Mm -hmm. And you probably, you're, anyone in Canada is well aware of that. So, so the, we, we did it for the capsules. The liquid, because the market's smaller, um, 
it, it financially didn't make any sense to go through the entire NPN approval process again for just because we're changing the format. Um, it's, um, it's unfortunate. I think, you know, as, as the liquid market probably grows, we may reconsider that. Uh, but that's just the way it is now. Anyone who does use the liquid, just as proviso, because it is processed in the same way, but as soon as that bottle's open, of course, auction is going to start getting at that product. You need to use that product up within about two months. Mm. Um, what happens is oxidation starts very slowly, but as it increases, it's a curve that looks like this. So, it's, so it, it accelerates. So once you get to about day 36 to day 40, the oxidation will start to accelerate. And so, so by day four, you know, um, uh, 60 or so, you probably want to make sure you've used all that up. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, a big part of our practice is uh, brain health and longevity. And I mean, I can't think of, you know, maybe a, a more important place to get fats into the body is, is in the brain. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, where you see this product going, you know, and from a longevity point of view and, and sort of the future oh. of uh, long health? Well, Again, uh, if if you, I don't know if you, am I sharing my slides? Yeah, this right is now? awesome. Yeah, so uh, look at the, look, look at the ratios. I mean, yeah. uh, here's the brain right here. It's a hundred to one omega six to omega three. It's what it's literally made of. Your brain is seventy percent fat. I mean, it, it, when one of the things that's astounding to me is that, um, and and more people haven't commented on it, but I was the trainer for my son's hockey team uh, when he was fifteen. Right. And so I'd see these kids take hits um, and they'd be out for, you know, a month, two months, three months. And I'm going, what in the hell is going on here? I mean, these, these hits are no worse than what I took when I was 15 year old playing hockey. And that never happened. I think because of the damaged fats we're putting in kids' brains, they're much more susceptible to concussion than we used to be. Mm -hmm. um, we, people are out for much longer periods of time. Their recovery time is much slower. I think because uh, our, our brain is, we're getting these damaged omegas in there, the, the cell memories are stiffer than they should be. They're not absorbing trauma the way they should be. So I think concussions are much worse than they used to be um, back, in, back in the day, as they say. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's perfectly explained by what the brain is made of. I mean, look at your skin, a thousand. Well, there's virtually no omega-3 in your skin. Anyone who says that you can take omega-3 for better skin, they don't know what they're talking about. There is no omega-3 there. Um, even your fat, 22 to one, but muscle tissue, six and a half to one. Again, people who work out, I mean, they, they notice the difference right away. They, they, their, their performance is better. Their, their endurance is better and the recovery time is much less. That's awesome. David, go ahead. And I love the fact that he talked about the susceptibility with the concussions there because of yeah. the bad building blocks. I mean, that's so important. Um, and I, I'm totally with you there, there, doc. I mean, I feel like, these kids in this particular generation right now that are coming up, they're, they're not getting what you and me got and our parents got, and we're seeing completely different problems. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I think about it, you know, uh, it, it, you know, a hundred years ago when we mostly were a farm society, right? Farms are, are great for head injuries. <laughs> you know, you think about it, they're, they're shoeing the horse and the horse kicked in the head. They fall to the barn, they fall on their head. We didn't, you know, but, you know, you had to survive. These, you had to recover quickly from these arch injuries. It's not, it's not like you had any choice. But, any, but they were consuming high-quality fats. I mean, when they were chewing the fat, they were not just sitting around talking. They were literally chewing the fat. 
-hmm. the fat was always considered the best part part i mean my my grandmother um she uh, she grew up eating uh, fried fish and potatoes every day she always cooked it in bacon fat right and she only lived till she was 99 years old wow. <laughs> you know uh, perfectly healthy old her whole life you know lived independently right up till the day she died you know high fat uh, diet is where it's at i mean it's it's it it's so important i think this whole thing that started in the 70s with the low fat craze it, we're going to be feeling the effects of that for a couple of generations mm -hmm. uh, for sure. And, and, you know, and we see it. I mean, our kids are much more susceptible to these things. And also look at the, um, look at the scores on the SAT scores in the States. I mean, you know, everybody knows has to write an SAT score, right? They had to lower the SAT score requirement for males, especially because they couldn't get into university anymore. They, wow. their, their intelligence is starting to affect the kids' intelligence. The IQs in our, Every decade since the 70s, I think the IQ, the average IQ has fallen by six points or something. That's pretty astounding. We're now five, what, four or five decades in. Jeez. That's that's almost two standard deviations. I mean, I don't know. It, it's pretty crazy. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's an interesting point that uh, Jordan Peterson makes. You know, Jordan Peterson is the mm -hmm. controversial yeah, uh, guy awesome. from UFT, right? Um, he makes a very, very good point that the U.S. Army does not take anyone with an IQ below 83 in because they cannot be trained to do anything. And that's 10% wow. of the population. But I bet if you did another population study now, you'd find that a much bigger proportion. We're, we're at risk of becoming a, a society of, of, you know, extremely unintelligent people. Well, you I mean, it just takes uh, turning on uh, the news station to, to start to believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. I, I, I agree completely. It's like our, our capacity as a population to critical think has, has completely disappeared. Jeez. Well, I tell you what, we need to get the, this pure form and, and your science and everything you share and your, your research and education into to more people's heads and, and, and hands with, with the pure form. And so grateful for everything you shared today, Dr. Jeff. Is there, is there any sort of is there anything, lastly, or, or that you'd like to share that you think that maybe we didn't cover that you feel is really important for people to, to tune their, their heads into? Uh, the, the, the biggest point is you you got to start with good macronutrients because you can work on all the pathways you want, but if your cell membrane is unhealthy, nothing else works. Stop poisoning yourself. Stop with the bad fats. Stop with the uh, non-organic foods. I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Uh, we have a tremendous amounts, especially in North America, of pesticides and herbicides in our food. We have to start demanding our farmers go organic. Got to stop putting in the poisons. Um, Pure Farm is a, is 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 great because it's a it's a shortcut to to a really healthy diet. But you, you know you, you got to stop putting the poisons in as well. That's the only thing sort of we didn't cover. But I mean that's that. I mean I'm sure you guys have hit your head against that wall multiple, multiple times. They say, well, can I eat this? And I can't have my Diet Coke and I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's hard. It's hard, but put good stuff in, take the bad stuff out. You got to do both steps. Well, like we always say, toxicities and deficiencies, but what we're talking about today, massive, massive, massive importance for, oh, for that. I think it of I think it's the biggest health crisis in the entire world today. It is I mean we've we've gone from a society in 1900 that ate a high amount of fats and proteins and very little carbs to 
a society that eats virtually no fat and tons of carbs. And, and I mean, uh, the last four years, our actual age of survival has gone down. We're, we've gone, we've, you know, we don't have to worry about that longevity curve anymore. We've, we've, we've maxed out. We're on the other side of it now. And maybe that was the design all along. Who knows? But uh, I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, I mean, just that, yeah. that we've, you know, hit maybe the, the peak of human intelligence, but we're actually on the other side and we're actually falling down. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. It's I mean, kind it's, of scary it's amazing, to think that. You know, I see these, you know, articles in Time and Nature and stuff, and you see this, the, the some uh, idiot geneticist saying, "I'm going to find the genes to make us live forever." And it's like it's not genetic, buddy. Mm -hmm. it never was. Yeah, and that's such a powerful message, you know, for everyone who's listening. I mean, the what I love about you know podcasts like this and and sharing like this is that you have a responsibility and a an ability to actually make massive changes in your health. And it's just, it's really up to you and, and willing to do that research. I mean, I can't help but feel that the the sort of the stupidity of the world that we live in, that people spend way more time researching the next phone, the, the car, the computer, the whatever, before they even consider what they put on or in their body. I mean, it blows yeah. me away that this oh, it is the world that we live in. It blows me. If you think about it, the, the, the gut stretches about nine square meters or about uh, what is that 27 square feet something like that whatever it's it's massive one of the biggest ways we interact with our environment is through what we eat mm -hmm. and yet i still have doctors who say you know what you eat has nothing to do with your health and you're quite going how can you say that mm -hmm. it's literally the biggest thing that influences your health wow but it's so Anyways, yeah, yeah, that's one of my frustrations. <laughs> no, I, and I love it. I mean, like we're we just you know, jiving off your energy because you know that's that's the the world that we that all three of us are in, and and we're all you know shouting that that message from the mountaintops, and it's it's a real honor to speak to you to uh, today, Dr. Jeff. I mean, it's just it's so neat to see a fellow Canadian, a medical doctor, you know, pushing the boundaries, teaching this really important stuff, and it really just comes back to nutrition and putting the right things back mm -hmm. in the body and you've got a tool to help deal with this modern world that we're living in and it's so so important so we're super grateful to you uh, we always leave everybody with uh, uh, have our, our guests leave a sort of a home play assignment something they can do to take action right away um, you know I encourage people definitely go check out uh, pure form uh, on on the on your website uh, we're going to put some links in for people so they can access the product. But any sort of home play for people to uh, to take take practice or take stock of their health uh, right away. Well, uh, I encourage you to try try and clean up things for just just be clean for a month. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can just do the proper supplementation, do, eat organically. Just do it for one. Everybody can do something for a month. What's yeah. great is that when you if you cheat and you all and everybody does. <laughs> Your body will tell you right away. Your body is really good at, at letting you know when you've eaten the wrong thing. And just, so just, just give it a chance, right? Let it, and let, let it heal. It heals quickly. And then you'll know. You'll learn. You know, you know, we're still Pavlovian in that way. We don't have to be hit over the head multiple times to know something's bad for us. I, I just remember a quick, quick story. But I, I remember I cleaned up for about six months. And, and of course I was, I was out and it was late and I said, Oh great. I'll, you know, I used to like McChickens and McDonald's, right? Go get, go get my chicken. Three days of hell. And then you're like going, was I like that the whole time? Yeah. You know, you've got to ask your question, right, man? Is it worth it? Totally. 
Well, uh, I want to want to ask too. You, you're still seeing patients, right? So you're. Yes. Can yeah, you can you tell people them. how they can access your website? How they can work with you? Where where should we send them? Yeah, so if, if you're in Ontario or, and have migraine issues or concussion issues, you can be referred to our clinic. It's the website's HMC Center, the French spelling, which is C-E-N-T-R-E right, dot yeah. com. <laughs> Not Center of the American. Uh, so <laughs> HMCcenter.com. You can download a referral form, get your family doctor or walk-in doctor to sign it. Uh, we, our waiting time is actually not bad, about six to eight weeks. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I'll take you through the, uh, the protocol that I use with patients. I do, I do some, uh, uh, still do some interventional work and stuff. But if, if people want to see me, for sure, I'm, I'm happy to see them. Awesome. Go ahead, David. Now, I was saying earlier when he was just speaking to about body awareness, what a great lesson to give everybody. If you don't have it right now, you're in trouble. You need to get it back. Like he's saying, clean it up for those 30 days. Yep. And, and I love I let you absolutely speak into it, man. That's part of, of, of the journey of getting healthier is, is increasing that. Yeah. So if you don't have it, you need to get it, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, and I try to make sure that the, you know, one of the problems I have with some practitioners, they make the mountain so high that the patient will never do it. Right. <laughs> right? You know, don't make the mountain so high, man. Do the little steps, baby steps. You got to know your, got to know your client, right? Got to know your patient yeah. and uh, give them enough time, give them that they will come around eventually. It's, it's amazing how long it takes sometimes, but you know, mm -hmm. they eventually don't buy into your message. Absolutely. That's such a that's a, such an important message for for doctors and and for patients alike to, you know, just be part of the journey and, and you'll get there. So amazing messages. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff Matheson. Thank you. Uh, Thank you brilliant, Tom. brilliant guy. Uh, amazing message. Yeah, super grateful. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.